I'm Alex Del Sur. I'm Alex Del Sur. I'm Alex Del Sur. And we have, we have just Eddie. It's Kevin Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Murray. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Vincent. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Sur with Rover's Choice. And this is another round of podcast interviews. And I love this one because the coach that I'm talking to today has been around rowing a long time. Not to put her on the spot. She's been in the business a long while. Okay. But she is the head coach of Dartmouth. Yeah, Dartmouth. Really cold up there in the north. This is Nancy LaRoque, and she's been around a long time. And the good thing for me is everything that we're going to be talking about is news to me. I don't know much about her. And now everyone tuning into this is going to learn everything. Nancy, thanks for being here. Alex, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, And the smile on your face tells me everything. So, Nancy, I asked the same question with everybody, and I want to know, how old were you and where were you when you took that first rowing stroke? Oh, I was a freshman in college at the University of Rhode Island, and um, I knew I wanted to row before I even uh, got to school. My best friend's um, older sister, so I have three older brothers, so as you can imagine, um, growing up, I desperately wanted a sister, and um I wanted to be like her and she rode for Simsbury crew, um, back in the day, back in the eighties. And, um, so I just decided that's something I wanted to do. And so I made sure the school I went to had it and they had a club team and there we go. Now, did you grow up in that area? Like in the Northeast? Yeah, I grew up, um, primarily, I was born in Pennsylvania, but grew up in Connecticut and then New Hampshire. I grew up, uh, junior high and high school, about two hours, uh, east of here down over in Dover, New Hampshire. So you're, I mean, this is home for you. This is home. This This is like one of the the bucket list of things that, of why I chose to, to come to Dartmouth and it was coming, coming back home was definitely one of those. So, so let's, let's put you on the spot. Uh, URI freshman year, what year was that? 92, fall of 92. So women's rowing, um, you said it was a club team. Now they're now they're a varsity program. Yes. Um, what was women rowing like back in the early '90s? Uh, was there a lot of hype, a lot of energy? Was it sort of underground? What was going on in '92? I would say it's sort of a hybrid. Um, you know, there was sort of this awareness of like Syracuse and Washington. Um, I fortunately, um, when I started at Rhode Island, um, my novice coach was Bob Gillette who was also coaching national team rowers like Jason Gales, Julia Talicki, um, Brian Sweener was a elite lightweight rower at the time. So I sort of got indoctrinated into this culture of like right away, like, Hey, these are these high-end athletes. And I just had found something that I was like, good at pretty quickly. And, and, you know, as a woman in high school, when you're tall and strong, you're kind of like the you know, boys don't like you. Right. Kind of thing. And so like, when you go into like college and like all of a sudden everyone's like, Oh, sweet. You're tall, sweet. You're strong. Like, this is awesome. Hey, you can be really good at this too, by the way. And so I just kind of like immediately fell in love with it. And with, you know, I think when anyone tells you that you can be good at something you're just like, okay. And you just, you get bought into it. So, um, and I think that, you know, we were just on the cusp of it. And I actually didn't graduate from Rhode Island. And if you want to ask, I can just kind of start from there and segue is that, um, you know, UMass in fall of 94, UMass, um, Amherst added varsity rowing. And, um, one of my friends who was a Rhode Island grad, Richard Jerry, who's been in the coaching world a long time was like, Hey, Jim Dietz is getting hired at UMass. He's looking for athletes. I called up Jim Dietz. I said, Hey, this is my Eric score. And, 
history. Like two weeks later, I was on uh, the summer between sophomore and junior year. I transferred to UMass along with, um, it was a very contentious year because there's a bunch of us that transferred in from, um, like, uh, Long Beach and, um, Cal and, um, I can't remember other schools, but, um, we all of a sudden had this immediate, like really fast women's eight. And, um, also our clocks got reset back to zero. So our NCAA, you know, we have five years to raise for four, but our clocks got set back to zero because of um, it being an emerging sport. And so I only stayed for another three years, but we had women in that group that got their masters. And, and so it was definitely an era where people were hating on Jim Dietz, but he capitalized on the rules and he followed all the rules. And um, so that was kind of my, Hold on. And, this, um, this is wild. Hold on. Hold yeah, on. Let's, let's, yeah. This, okay. You just like casually blew over this, but like, all right, hold on. Most people that go to college go for the college experience, right? Yeah. They're, they're going to classes, but you caught wind of this, of this coach that's starting a varsity program and you go, Hey, mom and dad, forget about URI. I need to transfer in the middle of your college experience. Yep. What was the conversation like with your family about jumping ship and going for rowing, not for like a better degree? You went for rowing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was no conversation. It was um, a there was a scholarship involved. um, But B, I mean, I my generation, at least my family, um, we didn't talk like if I wanted to do something, I, I pretty much I'm super independent and I'm just like, I'm doing this. And they're like, wow, that's awesome. Okay, you know. And, um, so that's kind of, it really wasn't a conversation. It was more of a couple phone calls and, um, and then just, uh, I sat down in front of, um, uh, on campus with Jim and, and he's like, okay, let's, let's bring you on board, you know? So what was your, what was your 2k at the time, uh, for you to be, you know, given this opportunity? Yeah. So two years in, um, to just rowing, I was going 708. Um, and I did that. I remember doing it at crash bees, um, and then I also was part of the, the old group of people that did 2,500s at crash fees back when it was like really awful. Um, but, but the, yeah, but no, the 708 was just, you know, um, and I, you know, that was just, again, after I was a novice, my first, first year there and the sophomore year I did that. So Jim, it's clear Jim Dietz has the history behind him, right? The guy, I mean, if you, if you're in rowing, you know, you've heard the name. What was the allure then? Like what, what kind of, I mean, what was his experience back in the early nineties to convince you to go there? Well, that's, it was just lore, right? At that point, you know, he had coached at Coast Guard. He was an Olympian. He had a bigger than life personality and I had heard nothing but like, oh my gosh, Jim Dietz, he's awesome. So I was like, okay, I love rowing. And, you know, I love and adored my teammates at Rhode Island. I mean, I'm still good friends with a lot of the women that I met there. And, um, it, but it was just like, I was, I was excited to go somewhere where everyone was my speed and not only wanted to be good in college, but be good, like make the national team. Like that was like the next step. Cause I, I kind of, like I said, been exposed to that sort of national team, those athletes early. And so this was an opportunity to you know, go to this school, get a scholarship and get coached by Jim Dietz and row with all these other women who, you know, I wasn't the fastest person anymore. And so it was just sort of this cumulative list of reasons. What kind of success did you have those three years um, at UMass? 
Um, so we were, you know, we won our conference championships. Um, we won, I think just about every race we entered. Um, I remember the first year at sprints, we had a horrible race. Um, but, and then NCAAs, we were in the first, um, 1997 was the first women's NCAAs at Lake Natoma. And we came in second in the varsity eight. And at that time we only had the eight as an at-large bid. So we didn't have a team at that point, but I thought that was pretty cool, you know, being in the first NCAAs. And and um, the funny thing too is our gifts, because you know athletes get gifts at NCAAs. Are all the women got golf towels as gifts? <laughs> I didn't know like, that. Sweet, this is awesome. <laughs> like, what, are you, what the hell? How are you going to use that for? Um, who won uh, the first NCAA? Um, I I think it was either Brown or Washington. I want to say Washington. I should know that. Oof. Yeah, you should know that. I mean, I that know. should be like, but but getting second place. So, can you can you can you remember finishing that race and 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 just going back into that silver medal uh, victory? You know, like a lot of things, I don't remember like the race. I just remember the experience. I mean, that was like. Oh, I like, Oh, like we had a 20th year unit of that boat, like five years ago and of that race and stuff. And, um, but just remembering being like really proud to be there and lining up against, um, like Brown, uh, my friend Raj was the coxswain at Brown at the time. And she's an amazing coxswain went on to, you know, make the national team. And I, what I remember is her constantly saying like, yeah, Bruno, yeah, Bruno. And I was like, oh my God, shut up. Like, it was just like, I, she was getting to me. Right. <laughs> and, um, I think, I, and I just remember, you know, Washington was just always, you know, obviously still is like, was just such a big presence and, um, but that we were there with them, you know, and like we were able to hang and, you know, knock off some crews that were, you know, we hadn't beaten earlier in our tenure. And, um, so I think, um, you know, and that race course is beautiful. It's, you know, I'd only ever raced on the East coast at that point. And so yeah. I think, you know, just remembering just the experience of it all. Um, and then when this is a funny story, like once racing was over, um, I, uh, we were getting in the minivan and I had my hand up on the, 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 like getting in and Jim yeah. gets in the car and like, slams his door on my finger jim, jim doesn't do anything like 50 percent. it was fully jim d it's 120 and i i remember like that was like i still have this like ridged fingernail from it but like like that fingernail like eventually fell off and like but luckily we were done racing but like that's another memory i have of that race as well so a, a permanent stuff. scar yeah a permanent scar of jim deets yeah but I love that man. That Jim Dietz is near and dear in my heart. He's uh, that that he's he's where I'm where I am today. He's one of the people responsible for for me wow. being where I am today. Uh, I appreciate that. Now let's. I I I tend to ask this now um, lately with college coaches is you didn't go to study coaching, right? You you wanted to do something else in your life. Um, at what point did you say to yourself? to hell with my degree. I need to be a crew coach. Yeah. That's a great question. And I know the exact moment. So my, my plan was law school. Um, I was pre-law and I crushed it at UMass with that major. And, um, I hadn't taken the LSATs yet, but I, I went to, um, train at, so the Princeton didn't really exist yet. So for training camp, it was either like Chula Vista or go to, um, Penn AC or Vesper. And so I went down to, 
I was asked to come down to Penn AC and, um, and then that particular year, so summer of, I, can't remember, it was 90, I think it was summer of 97, they were putting together an eight to challenge the eight that was getting put together out in Chula Vista. And, um, and I didn't make that eight. So this is young group of women, like probably, you know, at the time they were probably just like development, like college, young college women. And, um, and I just remember like knowing what to say and it being effective. And they're like, thank you so much. That was awesome. We really appreciate you. And I'm like, I want to do this. And so I, um, you know, and I had that, you know, back then I was also like, you, um, you know, you applied for jobs for the, like the newspaper. So I was like looking for paralegal jobs and it just like, wasn't happening. And, um, I had a job, I was working at Ernst and Young as a, like a administrative assistant. And I, um, I was crushing that. Cause I just like, like I have a really good work ethic. And so they just kept giving me more partners to support and stuff. And then, um, the funny story about that, this was sort of like this point in my life where they're like, okay, well, we want to hire you full time. Right. And so I went into HR and I like filled out the application, like, you know, in the, one of the things you filled out was like what your salary is. And I was like, Oh, 26,000, you know, like I didn't know anything about salary negotiation, how little that was like, well, we have to pay you like at least like 40. Cause you have a college degree. And I was like, shit, you know, like, Oh, I wish I like had support someone to help me through this process. Um, and at the same time, I was also applying for coaching jobs and I ended up, um, Andrew Carter at, um, was coaching at Vassar college. And so that was my first coaching job up at Vassar college. So I ended up taking that job, um, instead of going down the path of corporate America, which I'm so glad because, um, I, I, I hated being in an office, like, and, and like wearing like, like nylons every day. And like, I was just, I did not have the wardrobe for it. And so I was definitely uh, excited that I got the coaching job. What year was that coaching job at Vassar? Was that what of 98, 99? Yeah. Fall of 98. So halfway through my second year there, Andrew um, took the opportunity to take an assistant coach job as a, at a D1 school. And I, I think it was USC. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, I think George Jenkins was the head coach at the time. And so I became the interim head coach at Vassar at the ripe age of like 24, I think, I don't know, 23. And, um, and I was coaching the men and the women. And I hired my friend, Cheryl Reese, who was living in Philly, rowing out of there. And she was a FedEx driver at the time. Wow. and training. And she's wow. like, hell yeah, I want to come up there and come coach with you. So we had a blast. Like, so how, so we, um, you know, we finished out the year and, um, and then I got interviewed to be the head coach there, but I didn't get the job and they hired, um, Mike Alton, who's lovely. And, but I, I had also been applying for other head coach jobs just in case. And, you know, he said, you can stay on, um, but then I got this odd uh, job offer at West Virginia university to be the head coach. Um, so Cheryl stayed and worked with Mike. So that was a great partnership. So that was good. Um, and then I, yeah, I, um, took this, the head coach job at West Virginia. I, I think I was the only one that would take the salary they were paying, to be honest, um, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but it, I just was like, I'm kind of always been a gamer for changing my location and like trying new things and like, why not? Let's try this. So, um, that I did negotiate for myself unlike the last time. Um, and so, but I still didn't get, 
at least I asked, but I didn't get more. Um, and, um, and so I was there for seven years. I had a part-time job as a head coach. Cause I was like, seven. I needed to, but I did buy a house in Morgantown, West Virginia yeah. for $42,000. And I borrowed an extra 8,000 to upgrade the wiring and put a driveway in. And, um, and then I sold it to a couple from California seven years later for about three times what I bought it for. So that was my first, you know, real estate. I love I'm like, Oh, is it always like this? You buy a house and you make a lot of money on it. Um, but no, but, um, my time at West Virginia was, I, I call it like kind of my master's degree in coaching because like, um, while I didn't have a, as like a true mentor at the time there, um, you know, you, you kind of like get your, you, um, you have to learn how to do everything. So, I mean, I'd already been driving a boat trailer, but like, you know, I was the boatman, I was the trailer driver. I was changing outboard engine oil. I was doing all the recruiting. I was, you know, hiring coaches. And I mean, I only had a grad assistant and an assistant coach and, um, you know, and the first year there we, um, you know, we, we actually won dad bales in the four. And then I took that four to women's Henley and we got second out of like 50 crews. That was pretty awesome. Like most of those women hadn't even been out of United States before a couple of them hadn't even been out of West Virginia. Um, wow. And so, so that was a really fun year. And then like throughout my tenure there, we just, every year we got a little bit better. We were like, we won the Cal cup at the crew classic. Um, I got to work with one of my now near and dear friends. I hired Jim Mitchell as my assistant coach and he's now the associate head coach at Wisconsin, but I've known Jim forever. Um, and so I just look back at that time as just like, I'm really, I look really fondly and I Morgantown is beautiful. Like the surrounding areas are really beautiful. And I got really into like cycling and mountain biking and everything like that. And so, um, I know you probably have a follow-up question, but then I was just going to segue into like my time from there. Cause it's kind of different. <laughs> I love, it gets I, better. Uh, it's getting better every, every minute. Um, <laughs> I, I want to, well, number one, um, West Virginia, like in an American mindset, people don't really put West Virginia at, at like a high level. Forget about rowing. I mean, just the state itself, right? Yeah. You don't hear a lot of people that want to live there. Yeah. Um, ooh, uh, why? Uh, why? Yeah. <laughs> why? I mean... Well, I had applied for other jobs. Like I applied for, um, an assistant coach job, I think at Minnesota. Um, I love Wendy Davis, but I was like, who was I? I was no one at that point, you know? And, um, I can't remember. I applied to a bunch of jobs that I just didn't even get interviews for, you know? And I, and I, and I got this interview and I got the offer. And, um, I remember the night I got a phone call they, the soccer coach, Nikki Izzo Brown called me, um, called, called me one night while we were having a party at our house. And, um, and this is in, I was living in upstate New York and, um, I was like, Nikki, I've had a couple margaritas. Is that okay? Like, I wasn't expecting your call. It's like nine o'clock on a Friday night. She's like, Oh, you're fine. And I wasn't like drunk or anything, but I was yeah, like, yeah. but it was probably helped. Cause I would have probably been more nervous if I was like a planned call. And I'm like, you know, so I think it was just like, um, I don't know. It was meant to be, I, I'm a true believer in things, you know, like things are meant to be kind of thing, like yeah. the path you take in life that you just choose. And, um, but yeah. And I think like the, um, I was renting a room in someone's house in New York and, um, 
you know, he's like, oh my gosh, West Virginia's got the best mountain biking. It's, it's beautiful there. And like, you just got to go like, check it out. And so, um, I don't even think I interviewed in person. Like, I think I just took the job pretty much over the phone and moved so, there. Okay. Like, so then, then, then walk me through the negotiation of the salary. Right. And like, cause t- you, you said you got your master's degree in coaching there. Right. Which means yeah. you, and you said it, like you were doing everything right. Yeah. You, you, it was a really hard job. Uh, it, not a hard, not, not in a bad way. So what was that negotiation like? Well, at the time, you know, as an associate head coach at Vassar, I was making like 39 or something. And, and then the head coach salary at West Virginia, I know it's kind of like, you're not supposed to talk about salaries, but whatever, this is a past job. Um, I was offered 26, five for the head coach job, Oh, you know, and, uh, and I took it, you know, but like the thing with salaries is like, you know, you know what you're signing up for. It's not like it was my first coaching job. And I think I was just like, I want to do it. I can make it work. And, you know, my first apartment there was like 300 a month. I lived in like this, um, like this garage that it used to be a garage, but it was like, it was like literally like this tiny kitchen, a bedroom and a bathroom. Like that's where I lived my first year. <laughs> wow. And then, and then, and then it gets better. My second year, I moved into a house with the assistant swim coach and the tennis grad assistant. This is the head coach, right? And then it's a big time. And then I, um, and then I lived with my boyfriend at the time for a couple of years. And then I bought this house for 48,000 or 50,000, 42. And I lived there for three years with a roommate, but my mortgage was like, 350 bucks a month. It was crazy cheap. Nothing. Like it was just affordable. Like I, I, I figured, you know, you just kind of like, you got to find a way, like if you're passionate about something, you got to have hustle and you got to find a way. Like that's kind of the things like you, you kind of work on with your athletes too. And like, you know, I, I couldn't lean on my parents because they didn't have the resources for that. And, and so I had no one to lean on, but myself. So you just got to find a way, you know? And, um, so two questions. Yeah. One, um, did the salary change over the seven years? I mean, were you given more as time went on or was that, was that kind of just take it minimal? So minimal change. Yeah. I think, I don't think I was making 40 by the time I left. And, and, then, and this is like a big time football, basketball school. I mean, we're not talking like university of, you know, it's not like Charleston. It's not like no. the second university of the state. This is like the Mountaineers. This is West Virginia. Man. This is like, <laughs> you know, big time. Then what was your, what was your, um, what was your budget for the running the program? So equipment and travel and everything like, was that also just like terrible? No, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but you know, I think they added rowing. Sorry. I feel like I'm, this isn't a, I don't want to like make this a bad thing about, but I think just at the time, no, a lot of schools, it was new. It's, it, yeah, it's, I think a lot of schools were adding. Yeah. I think a lot of schools were adding rowing to be compliant with title nine. Cause it was like an instant roster. Like here you go. It's 50 women on the roster or 60 or 80 yeah. or however many. Um, and so we did have, I eventually over four years, every year I got four more scholars or five more scholarships. So I was up to 20 scholarships. Um, um, I think a pretty, I can't remember what the numbers are now, but we had a pretty, we had a pretty normal race schedule. 
Um, you know, there's one year we went out to the crew classic, but it was at the end of our spring break and we stayed, I had us stay at the, um, I'll put a plug in for the, um, youth hostel at mission beach in California is lovely, clean and had a big kitchen. And so we would make meals every night and the girls, it was just like bunk beds and really clean bathrooms. And so like, um, we made it like, I could make things work with the budget. Like I just was like, how can we be creative? Um, and we had this wonderful donor that first year we went to Henley, we had a wonderful donor, um, who had given some money to the program. And so we actually shipped our actual four. We had this awesome four that we loved rowing and we shifted over on a trailer on a ship that met us on a little trailer at, at Henley. So that's beautiful. Now, the second question is, and I don't want to like create any, any weirdness, but, um, did, did, did you think gender ever played a role in that? Like if there was a, a man at the time that would have been, or was it purely based on the fact that it was like, you didn't have a whole lot of experience. Does, does, does that make sense? Cause I don't know much yeah. about early two thousands coaching um, decisions back then at the collegiate level. I mean, I think probably it was very much like, like the, the athletic director didn't, know my name you know it was like that kind of like I really think they just were like just here go over here and it was sport based it was more like sport based it's like numbers and like you know I don't think results matter to them and they matter to me and like we were doing well every year you know it's like and I think that look I don't know you know they hired Jimmy King after me and I have no idea what Jimmy makes and um, I do know the next the next highest paid coach. Cause you could look it up was making like 60. And so, so this is where I get to like year seven and I'm like, okay, I just tired being tired. I've put in seven years here and I want to see what else is out there. And so are you ready for that next story? <laughs> or do you have more questions? I, uh, cause I literally don't know. I can't really speak to you know, I pushed and in you know, the same thing with my assistant coach salaries, they were equally poor. And I wish Jim, I could have had Jim stay, but like, he's like, I'm literally can't make this work. He was yeah. making way less than me. Right. And so, um, I lost a really exceptional assistant coach, you know, that, and they just, they're like, well, we just can't do it. Cause then we have to bump all the other assistants up. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I think a lot's happened in 15, 20 years with that. I think like with, especially with rowing, um, I think we're just kind of behind the salary curve compared to other Olympic sports, but like, like in the CRCA, like we've, we've done a couple of, um, like salary surveys. So like, at least that knowledge is out there now. So like, you kind of know what your market, like with salaries, it's like, it's like what the market will pay, yeah. you know, and like com- conferences are going to be different. Like, you know, um, so I don't know at the time how uncompetitive my salary would have been with other head coaches. So that's actually, I don't know that. So maybe I was making like the median, <laughs> you know, for head coach salaries in 1998. Well, you sure sacrificed. Uh, now, I think you went to Wisconsin after this. Is that right? No, I went to, I got out of coaching and I got a job working at specialized bicycles out in Morgan Hill, California. 
and um, I'm seeing your Shimano hat. So it's reminding yep. me. Um, and so I became the, so Specialized is one of the biggest bike brands on the planet yeah. between oh, Trek yeah. and Giant. And um, I am, was, and am a very passionate cyclist. And um, so I was like, when I was deciding to kind of leave West Virginia, cause I was just like kind of tired of being tired and being poor. <laughs> um, I was like looking at all these different brands and I was like, who can I go work for? And like, what jobs are open? And, and so specialized had a job open for the executive assistant to the founder, Mike Sinyard. And so I was like, I can do that. Like I can manage one guy. I just managed 80 women. So how hard could it be? And, um, I got the job. Wow. You know, and I got the phone call and it was like almost double what I was making. And like, I sold my house in like two days. It was right before the crash of like 2000, was it eight? Yeah. 2007, 2008. It was like, it was like the housing right now. It was like insane. Like, I can't believe I sold my house like super quick. I put my stuff in a U-Haul. My Subaru was on the back of my U-Haul. And like, I just, my dog and I just drove out to California and started that adventure so I was there for about three years. Um, that was super fun. That was another education because I wasn't sitting there answering the phone. It was like I was sort of more like Mike's project manager of like, and he's brilliant. He's sort of like the Steve Jobs of the bike industry. And, um, and it was just really cool to see like how bikes get got made from like, you know, drawing and conception to like the market, how they go to market and how the different markets go into play and, you know, meeting all these different market leaders from all over the world and like getting to travel and just getting to kind of experience this whole thing. But at the end of the day, as fun as that was being in the outdoor industry and like this really fun company, there's like 400 people that work out there. I just missed coaching, you know? And so I, applied for a couple different coaching jobs, but I actually got a job at university of Tennessee. So I packed up and I left on very good terms with specialized. They were like, if you ever want to come back, let us know. And so I went and coached to Tennessee for a year. Um, that was a great experience. Um, I think ultimately it wasn't a great fit for me. So I, um, left, I resigned at the end of the year, um, and without a job <laughs> and, um, but I was in constant contact with specialized still and like my friends there. And so within a month, um, I was back there working and was there for another three years. And I shifted, I went right back into the same role I left. Um, I think I still have the longest standing tenure with Mike as an assistant. Um, and cause I never said no to like working on Saturdays or just these really crazy hours. I was like, whatever you need, I'm here. Like, I was just like, that was just, that's always been like my work ethic has been like my common denominator. And so I think he just really appreciated that. And so, but then I shifted over to the new HR director was like, Hey, I heard you're, you've got coaching experience. Um, and, um, would you want to come over to HR and be a recruiter? And I was like, Mike, is that okay? You know? And he's like, sure. So I went and did that which morphed into being a business partner. So what I was in charge of, so I was in charge of like engineering and um, industrial design and, um, and apparel and hiring the right people. So my skill set there was just like, I got to know, cause the company's pretty small, but you get to know the managers really well. And like, I could figure out like, oh, this person would be great to work with so-and-so, or this person would be a really bad fit. Like that's not a good person for this role, that kind of thing. And then just doing, having, um, 
getting trainings and things like crucial conversations or disc assessment and just running those trainings with different people in the departments and stuff. And so um, it was, oops, again, it was like really fun. And um, so I was there for this space. I was there all in, I, I think I was at Specialized for almost six years. Um, and so, but then again, I was just like, I just still couldn't, you know, at times it was like, I drive by like the Los Gatos Reservoir and it'd be super rip, like super windy. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to worry about wind, you know, like, you know, it's just those things as you worry about as a coach. Um, but I just still really missed coaching. And, um, I, again, like my, my manager at the time was wonderful. And he's like, you need to do what's right for you. He's like, if I can, if I have you for two years or two months, he's like, you got, he's like, you have to be the person that takes care of you. And he's just like, I'll support whatever you want to do. He's like, I love working with you and stuff. And so, um, that's when Wisconsin opened up. So I, um, I applied for that job and there you go. And then I went to Wisconsin and I was there for seven years. Um, and that was amazing. And I, I love and adore BB is one of my very best friends and, and just the whole staff there, um, is they're just wonderful people. And I'm, I'm here again on that, that list of people of like why I'm, am where I am today. BB is right up there, you know, so. I'm, I, I, your story is incredible. Um, it's different. It's different, you know? Yeah. I think <laughs> what makes it so unique is like you experienced real world. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Were, I, know. I got out. People are like, how'd you get out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's rare. It just shows the strength of the sport and what it can do to the human yeah. soul. Right. Like, yeah, yeah you, you were making more money and you were moving and grooving and doing really interesting things. Right. Like cycling is far larger than rowing mm -hmm. at every at every turn. Um, and you were you were in an energy in an environment that, quite frankly, is probably more enticing than being the crew coach at Wisconsin, right? But you love the sport so much. Yeah. That you just couldn't, you couldn't leave. So um, obviously BB's the head coach. This was like a, a varsity assistant coach position came on. Yep, so I was the was, freshman, yeah, freshman coach. Uh, Wisconsin has an incredible environment. It has an incredible boathouse. Um, mm -hmm. What was the reason to move from sunny California to dreary old cold Wisconsin, right? There's four months out of the year though, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. I know there's great cycling, there's great uh, outdoor stuff to do, but like, what was so enticing about that job? Um, I think the opportunity to work with BB, like have a true mentor again, because like, you know, my first couple of years of coaching or year and a half, I was with Andrew, who today is to date is still one of my phone calls when I need help on something, right? Sure. Rigging, training, da, 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 or just to like need a therapy session. Um, and, you know, but I hadn't had a really, I wasn't able to be in a position where I could really learn. Um, like at West Virginia, I still like, you know, would go to the US Run Conference every year. And, you know, I still remember, um, Kevin Sauer, who is one of my favorite favorites. Um, he came to like, we hosted a regatta once, which was a total shit show, but he showed up and I remember Clemson showed up and, and, but like, I just didn't have those people in my life every day. Right. So I was just excited to, um, work with BB, you know, and, and kind of be an assistant and like, be able to sort of like get that side of the things and not just be in charge of like 800 things, you know? And so 
Um, plus, I mean, the boathouse is ridiculous. The campus is awesome. Madison's a really great city, um, you know, and it's actually, there are a lot of sunny days, believe it or not, in Wisconsin. There's some of them are just really cold, but it's sunny, um, you know? And so it was, and again, it was just my whole, like I've been this like, not nomad by any stretch, but like, I was never afraid of moving somewhere new and trying someplace different. Um, cause why not, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's available. Um, two big, big time football schools, which is wild, right? WVU, um, Wisconsin. That's, I love that, uh, big campuses, but then seven years now you've been at, uh, Dartmouth two, um, mm -hmm. when this position came available, um, how hard of a how hard of a uh, process is that of 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 going through that interviewing and and negotiations and I mean how hard is that at that level? It was, you know, sort of hard and easy and hard and easy. <laughs> it was uh, well, first I wasn't looking, you know, um, and so I got an email from BB that's like, hey, Darman is going to call you. She's like, you know. I don't want you to go, but Darwin's going to call you. Let, like, let, okay. Hold on. Let, hold on. Hold on. I want to learn. I want to know more about that. So, yeah. so they, they were seeking you or yeah. maybe someone called BB and said, Hey, are there anybody, is there anyone you yeah. suggest? I think wow. they were sourcing candidates. And so they were just calling, they probably asked BB first, likely, you know, and she's, you know, it's probably like, no, I'm not looking. And so, but she's like, you could, cause at that point I was the associate head coach. Um, and so so, yeah. And so I just was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll talk to them, you know, but like, I love, like, they're my family. Like I love, um, you know, BB and Jim and, um, Jim Mitchell and, and yeah. Carly Laney, who's there still. And, um, Dusty Madison was still set there as a lightweight coach and Monica Whitehouse. And, um, you know, and, and it's just like, it's hard when you spend so much time with people, that you really enjoy and you truly love and like you respect, um, it's hard to leave that, you know? And, and so it's sort of like leaving the nest. Cause I had a very carved out role of like, I was the recruiter. I had my little recruiting travel and I had my setup. I had my office. I had, I owned a home there and, um, my fiance still lives there. Um, and so there was a lot of things going against Dartmouth. Right. So, that's the hard part, but the easy part of the negotiation was like, if you guys want me, this is why you got to pay me. And da, 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 you know, cause so, I was like, so I don't have to leave, you know, I'm really no. comfortable. <laughs> so, but on the other side of that is I know eventually, like, I want to be a head coach again. Um, and I always, you know, everyone's always like, okay, if you could be a head coach anywhere, like where would it be? Right. And so I do, um, I love new England. Like, it's just something about new England. that's just like in me, it's my DNA. And so that checked the box. I knew that if I was going to go anywhere, I'm leaving the big town, which is like resource heavy. Right. Mm -hmm. So budget, uh, equipment, you know, a gear bag full of under armor every year. Right. And just like, not really having to worry about a lot of things, beautiful indoor facility. Right. So we're a winter sport. So I wanted to make sure I could go somewhere that like checked all the boxes. Right. And so facilities, um, support for not only the athletes, but the coaches and, and, um, and so I went through an eight hour zoom interview, which 
I got done with that and I just sat in my backyard with a glass of wine. It's like, oh my God, that was a long day. You know, yeah, that, you, you got to be making that up. No, I swear. I didn't step foot on campus until after I signed my contract. Well, this is, this, also, is, this is pandemic. I mean, you, you interviewed yeah. smack dab in the pandemic. Yeah, I interviewed, I think it was May of 2020. And, um, but it was, you know, it just, it just seemed like, again, like I think things happen for a reason. And, um, you know, when the job came open, I, Kelly Harris was the interim um, head coach. And I was, I just, I tech, I remember I texted her. I was like, Hey, I go, good luck. I'm sure this is a formality through COVID, but like, you know, and then I, and just, you know, she and I did have a conversation later, you know, I said, I just want to make sure, you know, I wasn't like gunning for this job. And like, I think it was just bad timing for her and just how she took over the role and stuff. But like, I don't want to get into that too much, but like, I just, just as like peers, I just felt like I wanted to be respectful to her because she did put a lot of work into the program, um, from where they, where they were at the time. So, um, and so, yeah, I, um, I remember my, so my fiance and I like, like to go to Colorado. So we were, um, I had accepted the job and I was going out to Colorado and my amazing friend, Mary Browning, who's also was a rank coach back in the day and was just the regatta director at the big 10 invite this last weekend. I was like, Mary, I got to sell my house. <laughs> and like, she had it staged and like things fixed. And then like five days, my house was sold. Wow. And like, I got a realtor here and I put an offer in on a house while I was in the airport. And she's like, if you don't do this now, it's going to go. So I went in over asking and I like hadn't even stepped foot in the house, no contingencies, no inspection. It's an old house. She's like, trust me, it's an awesome house. So I bought this house without even like, and it was, it's perfect. It's like a, it's a little oasis. And, uh, and I really lucked out there because like the housing market now I, it's like crazy. It's already worth like 50% more or something stupid, like with the housing market. Right now. Yeah. I mean, like you're catching these waves in such funny timing, right? Like, yeah, like- I, yeah. So I don't know. And it just, you know, and the challenging thing is, you know, having, you know, my partner, he's not here, but like, he's, he's excited for me and, you know, I'm 48, I'll be 48 this year and he's retiring from his job next year. So it's like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have children. He does. It's just like this. We're just, we're just, we're figuring it out. It's hard as hell. It's challenging, but like we make it work. And, um, we know like down the road, like we'll, we'll be together, but like, I am so busy. It's just like, wake up rowing all day, go to bed, wake up rowing. It's like all I think about, all I do. Right. And so, so tell me, so I I'm, I'm interested to know like the workload that is at Dartmouth. Right. So you, 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 you have this like insane network of support at Wisconsin right? yeah. and then you had no support at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So where does Dartmouth lie on that spectrum of um, uh, workload support the whole bit? Yeah. So there's, you know, it's different. In fact, you know, there's no scholarships in the Ivy league. So yeah, you have deal. to depend on admission spots and, yeah strong financial aid packages. Right. And so, um, we also like the, everyone else outside the Ivy league has four full-time coaches and a graduate. Most programs have a graduate assistant coach and the Ivy league only has three, three full-time coaches. 
Um, and so, which is something I, I'm not, I'm not really sure why I think there's, but there's other sports that sort of follow suit with that in the Ivy league. Like some coaches don't have the full gamut, but they have like a part-time coach instead of a full-time coach. Um, but in terms of support, you know, I think that it's, it's a, it's a good place. And I think that, you know, we've been already been through, like I got hired by one AD and then there was this, like, I, like I remember I was on a phone call with, with Wyatt, the men's coach and myself and our sport administrator, you know, this is right after I was, I was on the phone, I was in the car driving somewhere and I was like, Hey, did you guys hear that Stanford just dropped like men's heavyweight rowing and yeah. men's lightweight rowing? And like 30 seconds later, our sport administrator is like, yeah, so we're cutting five sports and one of them's lightweight rowing. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. Like. And so then there was this whole, and this has all been out in the news. I'm not telling you anything. Yeah, no, no, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfactual, but like, um, and so then there was just this whole Title IX stuff. And so they have ultimately, it was men's and women's swimming, men's and women's golf, and men's lightweight. A lot. Yeah, a lot, like a lot changed then. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they reinstated those sports. That AD resigned. Um, and so we have an interim athletic director who's amazing, Peter Roby and, um, and he's, he's wonderful. And so he's sort of with us in this time. He does not, he's like, I want to retire. He's like, you know, he's, he's done. Like he just, he came in cause he went here and I think it was, he was like, I think he got, uh, he was at Northeastern before I can't remember, that was his last tenure wow. before here, but they pulled him out of retirement kind of thing. And, um, and he's, he is, um, he graduated, um, but he played basketball here and he's awesome. And so I think that they're always looking for ways to be supportive. I think just yeah. in general, Ivy League has just like a little bit less resources because it's very academic focused. But like, yeah. I think that like, you know, we have trainers, we have, you know, we have a beautiful facility. Um, but what we do rely on a lot here are our are, are friends of Dartmouth Rowing, our donors. And oh, um, so we, we are, you know, we couldn't do anything without them, but they're amazing. They're so supportive. Um, they just want the athletes here to have the same experience that they had here. And, um, you know, like I had a, a an alum who's in his eighties come watch our race last weekend in Florida. And he, you know, he happened to walk up as I was launching the varsity eight and I was like, Hey, do you want to, you know, you want to say anything to the varsity eight? And he was like, Oh, oh, uh, sure. You know, and he was sort of caught off guard, but, um, but I think it's important to just recognize that is a lot of how most of the teams here, um, you know, we have a Dartmouth budget, but we also have a, our budget supplemented by um, the, our friends groups or what they're called. I, I, I love this. I mean, I, the, so I was at, I took a tour of Dartmouth uh, before the pandemic. So 2019, uh-huh. You guys had that new boathouse being constructed, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, I saw it. I saw it being constructed. That, is that completely finished? Yeah. Is that ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the addition is like our tanks and another space for more ergs and it's gorgeous. And we're just now, because construction finished up, like we had a, a sort of a soft opening. I wasn't here yet, but fall of 2019 and um but they didn't finish like the branding of it and stuff so that's just now getting done so there's some cool extra stuff happening right now but it's it's nice and this river oh my gosh it's like the prettiest place on earth to row it's just i mean i think yesterday was like 
the first day that I we ever we couldn't practice because it was too windy. And it was just like because the current's really strong and the wind was from yeah. the south. So it was just like really it was too bumpy. But like, you know, I've been here for a year and a half. And that's like the first day we haven't been able to row, which is kind of insane. Um, but it's normally just flat and it's just we have epic amounts of water and um and the lightweight team and the heavyweight team are both really good and they're run by great coaching staffs which i feel really lucky that we're a part of that and um you know white allen and is the head coach and you know he's an olympian and he's built that i look to him um because as an example because like when he came in like he had made a huge shift with the program they were really fledgling. And so he took it over and, you know, now they're just crushing it. And, um, he's got a great staff with Al Monte and, and John Graves just came on board. Um, yeah. and then the lightweight staff is Dan Rook, who is just an encyclopedia of knowledge and with rigging and training. And, and then Trevor Michelson, his assistant is just him in a, but in a 32 year old body, like he's, he is like, <laughs> he's the epitome of a rowing geek. And I love it. Cause he can like conjure up oh so and so in the 98 world championship in the single they got you know they just this guy like it's amazing and so it's just really cool to be in a place that like i'm surrounded by just talented coaches and um you know there's still days i'm just like oh my god like i have mega imposter syndrome but like i think everyone does at that level yeah that's when you're a head coach there's days you're like oh my god this is just like crazy but then there's other days i'm like i'm crushing it you know you just have these little victories and stuff but like you know we're going through you know a lot of selection right now because it's the time of year and the kids are just like super amped about like when am i getting switched and it's just like we have a lot of current right now and like we couldn't row yesterday i've got some kids out you're just like ah you know so um but sorry, you asked about support. I feel supported. That's my. <laughs> That's the long-winded way of saying. Super long-winded answer. You can CJ and his editing skills can. So I like because I was painting a picture in my head. You had you had URI, UMass, Boathouse Row for a stint, right? Because mm -hmm. you did some you did some work there. Tennessee, West Virginia, California for a while. Wisconsin. Nancy, have you found home? I mean, have you yeah. found home now? Yeah, I, I, I joke that like this is my retirement job because I, I love it here. I, I just feel like there's nowhere else I'd want to go. Um, even though, like, even with the cold weather, like I like seasons and I like like winter, like I like skiing and stuff. So like, I don't, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. In February and April, like I wish I coached summer, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but we go to, we have two training camps every year. We go to Florida in December and we go to South Carolina in the spring with all the teams yeah, yeah. with class yeah. and, you know, and before we know it, like, I just feel like the spring season just goes by so fast. Like we have three races left and I'm just like, how'd that happen? And, and then it'll be yeah. summer and then we just like start all over again. Nancy, I have had a blast learning about your career. I think the thing that I, I, I value the most in all of this is what I mentioned earlier is like you left and came back, left and came back again to the sport, right? It just, yeah. it just shows how much you love and appreciate what it does for human beings, like what it does yeah. for a person, right? And yeah. here you are, your retirement is being the head coach of a very large Ivy League program. That's a, yeah. that's a big deal. Nancy and yeah. I, I love that. It's exciting, you know, and I, 
I feel like I'm one of those coaches too, that I tell the kids that like, I, part of the reason I like it so much, the job is just seeing their growth and development. Um, like we just had a coxswain join us. Um, her first day of coxing was spring training camp <laughs> and it was like freezing and it was windy and it was pouring rain. And you, the look on her face was just like, what, what have I got myself into? <laughs> Yeah. And then four weeks later, I mean, luckily I have two great assistant coaches. One of them coxed at Yale and Hannah Malzahn and then Merritt Denham is my other one. And so Hannah coxed at Yale and I'm like, you are the coxing coach. And so she took this gal on her wing and, um, man, Olivia just coxed our varsity four down at the big 10 invite. And she got into the boots first. She straight down the course, she called a great, um, called a great race. And now she's this, like, she was really shy and didn't say a whole lot, you know, when we first started. And now she's just like this little sassy pants. She's just like, all right, hands on. Da, 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 da. And she's like, so I just like that to me is like the epitome of like, it's, this has changed her in like the best way possible. And it's just like, so cool. But then I have a tons of those ex examples. Like we won, uh, the third session of the two V eight and, one of the gals in the boat was like, that's the first race I've ever won. And she was just like beside herself. And I just was like, she's got goosebumps. That's so great. You know, and it was a phenomenal race. Like they, they held off, you know, Iowa, I think Michigan state, I think it was Washington state. I mean, all the way to the, it was down to the wire. Like it was literally like if they had 20 more strokes, I think Iowa might've walked through them, you know, and just like, I was so proud and just like, oh my gosh. And then, and then it's just like, it's happening. Right. And so there's a lot of, we have a lot of work ahead of us, but I just feel like, um, you know, this program is going to go places and I'm just psyched to be a part of that. What a perfect way to end a fantastic <laughs> podcast. You get you, anyone that, that survived this, this, uh, the hour long that we had here should get excited about Dartmouth rowing. And yeah. if, you're, if you're tuning in and listening to all of this, if you want to get a hold of Nancy, we're going to put a way to in there. There's a links involved that if you want to get a hold of Dartmouth rowing, she's the person to talk to. Uh, Nancy, number 93 on the podcast for us. I had so much fun. I hope you did too. Thanks, Alex. I really did. Thanks for the conversation. I appreciate it. And tune in more each week. We have another podcast. Thanks for being here.